Hey, remember when the Jazz had that big lead over the Knicks in the first quarter, Ryan? I believe. Oh, uh, well, not so fast, the my friend. Were the answer. Not so fast. They had a nine point lead at one point. Game's tied at 23 50 to go in the first quarter. A little scare there. Jalen Brunson got ran into. Yeah. Cody Kessler just kind of. Boom, and then, wait, it's okay. He's back up. Got a little worried because the Knicks don't need anybody else sitting out right now. But I worried because Trista talked me into the Hawks, and they're up seven over the Lake Show, Mm -hmm. now seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and I was already on the Celties, and the Celtics are up ten on those Pacers of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Sadiq down by the Bay. We got Sadiq down by the Bay, throwing one down. 29-22, Hawks over the Lakers. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Because the Lakers made the Western Conference Finals last year, it wasn't a narrative, but now it's starting to be a thing. Darvin Ham is the head coach of the Lakers, Trista. We talk so much about uh, you know Adrian Griffin being a rookie head coach with the Bucks and it being in a win-now situation. Darvin Ham, same damn thing. Yeah, second-year coach uh, took the team to the Western Conference Finals, but I think they're kind of done with them. Can't wait to ask Keith Smith about this because from the Laker bloggers and Laker media, I, I don't know really what you would call them, the the like that contingency the the screams are getting even louder to a shriek they're like if you can't get rid of ham now i don't know what what we're doing the continuity has been the biggest issue with this team for so so long though i mean when you're used to having consistency going back to you know magic johnson and showtime lakers all the way through so many years of at least consistent cores they've just been when lebron comes to a team the turnover is quick, right? Like, if it's not working, they're getting rid of you. I mean, he got Dwayne Wade out of Cleveland when he was there because he was so bad, right? Like, it's like yeah. you're my boy, but sorry, Ruthless. this ain't going to work. You're going back to Miami. Like, yeah. this can't happen. So, yeah, I mean, look, the Lakers are certainly a team that is desperate. They're a team that's in win-now mode. And they're a team that, quite frankly, has been one of the biggest disappointments in the NBA this year. I really like their offseason. I like what they did at the deadline, and that's why I bet them to make the playoffs last year, and they went to the Western Conference Finals, and you'd figure they'd build on it. But instead, it's gone the other way, which is a great example of how you can get there and maybe never get back again. And it just makes me keep thinking about the Lions having Ben Johnson there versus not. Like, they're in a better spot to get back to that position. Everybody's bought in. They want to win a Super Bowl for the city of Detroit. And, you know, if Ben Johnson had left, that could have been it. It could have been your Packers winning the division for the next few years. Yeah, man, and I I hate to bring them up, but, I mean, I was watching Aaron Rodgers raise that Lombardi trophy with my mother, and I was like, Mom, going to get seven more of these. We're just getting started. Never returned ever again. I remember sitting at a yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings, game five of the NBA Finals, Big looking at my wings. wife and Big saying, fan. yeah, I lost a couple hundred on OKC, but this team's going to be around for a decade. James Harden's going to be the sixth <laughs> man of the year. KD will be an MVP candidate. Russ is probably the most fun, the funnest, most fun point guard in the league. And then they never return to the NBA Finals ever again. So you got to capitalize when you get there, man. And like going back to the Lions, hate to continue to rag on Dan Campbell. He's also the reason that they were there. He got people yep. to buy in. He changed that team, man. He changed the organization. And, you know, guys still buy in. That's why Ben Johnson's returning. That, and, you know, he didn't get the 15 mil that he wanted from the commandos for coaching the squad. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's. It's just crazy. I think what, what's hard, too, is like adjusting to teams. Like We talked about this with the Nuggets, right? Looking at them as a title contender. And then they win yeah. the title, and now it's like you have to take the name Denver Nuggets, NBA champions, put it in the same sentence, and respect that moving forward. Well, now the Detroit Lions are going to run this thing back. So you, in turn, now have to take Detroit Lions 
and at least NFC Championship game and use it in the same sentence because we've already had it, and you're going to have... It's not going to be the same roster. They're certainly going to have to work on things like improving their secondary. I'm sure that's something they're going to address this offseason. Aaron Glenn is probably going to stay the defensive coordinator. I know Washington talked to him, but... He sounds like one of those guys that's getting these interviews but not quite there yet. Like, you know, guys get interviews sometimes three years before they actually become a head coach. Yeah. So if you're going to have both of your coordinators back, you're going to have your head coach, you're going to have those weapons in the backfield, maybe somebody like a Jamison Williams finally gets a full offseason and a full start to the year. Really good. The Detroit Lions could be better next year than they were this year. And you've added that playoff experience which is so important for a team like yeah, that. Yeah, they should try they should they should find a way to draft like Kool-Aid McKinstry. Mhm. Boom, there you go. You fix up that yes. secondary a little bit. That would be I mean that would be absolutely Problem is they're drafting at 29th. Right now they're being mocked to take Chop Robinson. I would love that. Yeah, that yeah. works too. They could also trade up. There's always that option for too. Sure. All right, we have Keith Smith now. He's ready to go finally. Spotrack the front office show jumps on with us now. Oh, we're watching the Knicks and Jazz play right now, Keith, and you know this Knicks team, it's just so different watching a team Team that for so long we've made fun of bad culture can't seem to make the right decisions in the offseason and now even with OG Ananobi out Julius Randle out like they have other guys stepping up and playing big roles like a Josh Hart and a Dante DiVincenzo when you watch this Knicks team who has the longest win streak right now knock on wood uh, for me and some of us in this room yeah longest win streak in the NBA do you do you see a team that can make some serious noise in the east yeah, I think they can, and I think the really interesting thing is they might have another move left in them. Well, we'll see if they do something with Evan Fournier's contract and all those uh, picks that they're kind of sitting on. We, we they, they might have another trade, and if they do, that's going to make them really dangerous. But the OG and Anobi trade, it, it just locked everything in for them. I know it's tough to give up Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett, but to those guys – you know, being there or, or in an OB being there, it's just so huge for them and puts them in a place where now they have a guy who just locks in on, on the wings. And then when Randall is out, and I know Ananobi's out right now too, but when Randall's out, you can slide Ananobi to the floor. And now that makes them really, really tough. I'm watching the Atlanta Hawks give it to the LA Lakers right now. And we were saying this before you came on that. The contingency of bloggers and media people that cover the Lakers, they are starting to be completely fed up with Darvin Ham. I know that the whispers were happening early on the season, but now people are saying the quiet part out loud that Darvin Ham just needs to go because his rotations don't make any sense. And the things that worked for them, taking them to the Western Conference Finals, those rotations, he just simply abandons. Even though he goes with them for short periods of time, like what are you hearing about how the Lakers are feeling about the direction of this team and how to fix it? I haven't heard anything as far as them wanting to go in a different direction. Everything that you hear out of the organization itself is that they believe in him and they think, you know, he's going to get it done and that they're okay with everything he has done for them. But I, it is getting louder. I think all it's going to take is a player or two to be, uh, instead of being vague about their criticisms, be a little bit more pointed. And then, you know, especially if it comes from LeBron, then all of a sudden you might see some changes. But like, I, it's the challenge is you don't know how many more years left you have of LeBron and AD playing this well, and they've been relatively healthy this season too. And if you're just gonna kind of let it wither away with a 500 team that is hanging out in the playing tournament, it's just not good enough. And they're definitely gonna have to go in a different direction at some point. 
Keith, for the third consecutive season, I've talked myself into betting the Boston Celtics to win the NBA Finals. They're 3-1 <laughs> to one right now. If anybody out there would like to join me, they're plus 140 to win the East. Just let's focus on the East because I still think it's the Nuggets in the West, maybe one of these young teams. But is it Milwaukee, Philly, New York, Miami once again, Cleveland? You know, I think it's kind of a sleeper team. They're 25-1. to one. Who concerns you the most in a seven-game series that matches up well against Boston, do you think? I think it's still the Bucks. Like they, they're they're just going to be a challenge, you know, when it comes down to it. And, and the biggest thing I think there is how do you defend both Giannis and Dame? You know, it, it sounds great to have Drew Holiday in the fold, but then you're really relying on a much older Al Horford to give you a bunch of minutes against uh, Giannis. Now the other question is on the other end. How are the Bucks going to defend the Celtics? Because the Bucks defense yeah. is just hasn't been good for a while. So I I feel good about the Celtics' chances. You know, to get through this feels like the best team simply if for no other reason the presence of Kristaps Porzingis, where he just gives them a very different look. Uh, they, they can attack those switches now in a very different way, and you're no longer throwing it to a guy like Robert Williams, who's it's either a direct dunk at the basket or he's going to hot potato it and pass it. You can now get it to Porzingis. And the biggest thing he learned with his time in Washington is I only got to get to 10, 12 feet and turn. And there's not a player in the league unless it's Victor Wembanyama. We're not worried about seeing him in the playoffs. Is No one can, can contest my shot. I just got to turn and shoot over him. So that's, I think, the uh, you know big, big thing that makes the Celtics very different this time around. You mentioned the Bucks. I wanted to get your thoughts on the Doc Rivers hire. You know, the Adrian Griffin firing has been discussed at nauseum, but the Doc Rivers hire is sort of head head scratching to me. As someone who used to cover the Boston Celtics day in day out, you know, former coach of the Celtics, Doc Rivers, like, what do you think he brings to this team, and like, what do you think the largest limitations for him will be? Yeah, I think, you know, Doc just brings us that sense of almost like calm to, to the team where it's going to be, there's nothing he hasn't seen at this point. And I think that's, that's a good thing. On the flip side, Doc tends to trust reserves way more than he probably should. Uh, he, play, he loves to play all reserve lineups. That, that was something that uh, the Celtics fans tired of at the end. Clippers fans really got upset with it. And uh, Sixers fans did as well. And that always seems to go in a place where he just doesn't get away from it quick enough. So that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think, you know, if, if we're, we're in a big playoff game and there's 10 minutes of all backup lineups, Bucks fans are going to lose their mind. But it, it, it's, it's tough because Doc wins. He wins in the regular season. He wins a ton. And, and I know there's the whole he's blown all kinds of series leads all over the place. But he still gets his teams up in those series. Maybe he just hasn't had the right teams. You know, I, I don't really know what it is. But I, I'm not super enthused by the hire, to, to be honest, because I think it's one of those things where I don't know how much different it's going to be with Doc in there than it would have been with um, – Adrian Griffin. I'm just not sure it's going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, that was the joke. I said that they were destined for a second-round exit with Adrian Griffin, and now they're destined for a second-round exit with Doc Rivers. So, talking to Keith Smith, BetMGM tonight. So, Joel Embiid's questionable tonight against the Warriors. He's going to go through pregame warm-ups, decide if he can play. Yesterday was the first time the conversation really started to gain some steam about the 65-game minimum rule to be eligible for awards and all-NBA and all those things. Joel Embiid is having an MVP season and nobody's going to argue that. But he may not be allowed to be MVP if he misses enough games when it's all said and done. If he does 
play 60 games this year, whatever the case is, and isn't eligible to win MVP. Do you think that they'll consider changing that rule in the offseason, maybe just dropping it down some games? Because there's definitely going to be an outcry if that happens. Yeah, it's not as easy to just change it. That's mm-hmm. going to have to be something they're going to have to go to the union and collectively bargain and, and come up with it. I think there's a chance they may change it, but when I think they may change it is this shortly after the TV contract is signed. I think you know part of this whole 65-game rule was to tell the television partners and potentially prospective new television partners, hey, guys are going to be on the floor more if they want to win these awards. And we think we're going to see guys out there. And then once those are signed, they may say, you know, hey, we're not going to change it to like 40 games, but we may <laughs> need to look at changing this to 60 games and, and changing it a little bit. And, and I, I kind of get it. I get the idea behind that because – 60 games, that's like three-quarters of a season. I think that's okay if that's ultimately where we land out. I also was fine with just let individual voters decide if a guy played or not. Play, played enough or not. I think you know when you have 100 people voting on these things, you're not going to get 90 people saying, ah, yeah, you know, 30 games is enough. They're going to use common sense on where it's at, and it's going to be interesting. Where it'll also get really interesting is if there's not a really strong second choice for MVP, then people are really going to lose their minds because it's going to be seen as, oh, well, you were the you 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 won the bogus MVP award because player A and B weren't weren't available. Mm-hmm. They had to go down to player C, and that's that's where the discourse is going to get really ugly. You mentioned uh, Denver being one of the favorites. Obviously, they're going to be in the West. Uh, Timberwolves beat the OKC Thunder last night in a really good one. They're rumored to be going after Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's actually playing right now against the Lakers. Like, what's your thoughts on that potential move? And and do you think the Timberwolves have the best chance of of beating the Nuggets in the West, or is it a team like the Clippers? Uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, I, I wish I wasn't here again, but here I am. I'm believing in the Clippers because this is what I do every year, right around. Uh, you know, the trade deadline, uh, I'm all in, and then I look like an idiot uh, you know, two games into the first round. So I'm kind of, you know, we'll see. I, I think the Clippers have a real chance. I think they're going to be very tough out, especially if they're healthy. But obviously, it's only if they're healthy. If not, Minnesota gave Denver some challenges in the first-round series they played a year ago when Denver won the title. And I think their size is just something different that they throw at them, especially in help spots where Jokic has to work that much harder. Now, I think, yeah, they could get a lot guy like Bogdanovich for the bench. I honestly think that is the best possible landing spot for Kyle Lowry if he takes a buyout. Everybody's got him already pegged to Philly, and maybe that's how it goes because that'd be going back home for him. But with the Wolves, he comes in and plays 15, 20 minutes a night behind Mike Conley, and now you've stabilized the position because they won last night. Mm-hmm. But generally, when Mike Conley's been off the floor. They get real messy. So that's mm-hmm. the one concern I have for them. But Bogdanovich would be huge because they feel like they're one guy short off their bench. Keith Smith, great to talk to you. Great point, too, on the MVP. Watered down if Embiid can't get it. Twitter will absolutely love that. Great to talk to you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. All right. It's Bet MGM Tonight.